For any of you guys who don't know me, my name is uh, Daniel Marzari. I am uh, Tim's intern, as he said. I'm studying at Karen University to get my bachelor's in pastoral ministry. Um, most of you guys probably know me from playing keys uh, on worship team with Jared. Um, I'm very excited to bring the word this morning, and I'm thankful for the opportunity that Tim Crossing has given us um, to, to preach. Um, and so we get straight into the text. We're reading today from Romans chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, uh, so that's Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 14 through 23. A little background on this chapter. Um, Paul here is, has two questions he asks and sets up the two halves of, of this chapter. Uh, that is, shall we go on sinning? Uh, and the first one is, shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? And the second half is, shall we go on sinning since we're not under law but under grace? Um, we're going to get into that second one right now. Uh, this is all having to deal with uh, what do we do with sin as believers? Uh, so I'm going to start reading from verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you, were once, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now... Present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit did you get at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? <clears throat> For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's commit this time to the Lord. God, I thank you for this opportunity I get to, to bring your word. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what you have to say through it. I pray that you would encourage us through it to hate sin and love you, to leave the old way of living and to be more like Christ daily. I pray that... Um, as we look at your word, you convict us of sin. You would move us to see um, how we can depend on you for strength and repent um, of the sin we have in our lives. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, sin isn't the most popular topic to talk about when you first get to preach at a church. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to Lydia after church, uh, after last service, and she said, a lot of people like sin, not a lot of people like to talk about sin, and I couldn't agree more. Um, and while this is true, I, while I think there's a lot of uh, tension, a lot of hesitancy for us to you know, really get into the topic, it is one we really need to deal with because it is very serious. One author I like, uh, Thomas Akempis, he wrote that no one is so holy that he's not tempted. And this applies you know, in, any, in any context we could talk about here. Like, No one is so involved in ministry that they're not tempted. That's a big one. We often get you know, so involved in doing God's work, we forget to take care of our own souls 
and, and we're led astray. We think because we're doing something good, we, we must be all good all around, otherwise God wouldn't use us. And that's not the case. Uh, Judas is a perfect example of that. Um, we're not, we're never so mature in our faith. So I've been a Christian 20 years, you might say, or 30 years. You're still tempted. Uh, we're never so victorious over sin that we're not tempted. And this is a tricky one, because sometimes we, we've been battling a certain sin, and, and we get to a point where, like, I really feel like I got control over it, and sin's deceptive. You might think you have control over it, you might think you've defeated it, but it'll come back. Pride comes before the fall. And so, I think Isaiah 64 puts this really, really well, actually. Um, my most righteous deed is like a filthy rag. And so on the best day of my Christian walk, when I'm the closest with the Lord, when I've just been on this streak of obedience, even then, the most righteous deed I perform on that day, still a filthy rag before God. I am utterly sinful. And so we're never going to get away from being sinful beings, even as Christians. We're still plagued with sin. And that's our reality on, on this side of eternity. At my most godly, I am still a sinner in need of God's grace. And I think reading passages like, like this, that we're really dealing with sin, a lot of times we like to put up some walls. Um, we'll, we'll hear a sermon on it and, and say, oh, you know, Pastor, that was a great sermon on, on lying or on lust, and uh, I know a guy who could use it, you know? And we, we kind of just put some distance between ourselves and the topic because we don't want to address our own sin. I would encourage you, don't let that be you today. I think a lot of times when we hear sin, they'll, they'll, you'll feel guilt or you'll feel convicted over something. Don't run away from it. Sometimes we'll feel a regret or shame over what we've done or um, the, the sins that we've allowed ourselves to fall into, the state that we're in right now. Maybe we'll be angry and hopeless. We've been stuck in this cycle of sin for months and months. And there's no way to get out, it feels like. Maybe you've been in this for a long, long time and you're just stuck in sin, and you just feel defeated by it. You're like, I've tried everything I can think of, and it hasn't worked. I, I can't get free from sin. Even to the end of, of feeling fear, I'm afraid for my salvation. I don't know where I stand before the Lord. I'm so entrenched in sin. I'm afraid of what will happen to me if I continue in my sin any longer. I think you're going to find a lot of hope in this passage. Because it's not just that the Lord deals harshly with sinners. He is, he is merciful. And this is the, the promise at the end. I'll give you a little, little taste of it. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so what you'll find in this as we go through it is that we're not satisfied in sin. We're satisfied in God. And God is gracious to us as sinners. We need to be tough on our sin, though. And so let's get right into the passage. I'm going to start in verse 14. We're just going to work through it. Verse 14 says, For sin will no longer have dominion over you, since you're not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law, but under grace? And so what is Paul asking here? What is the question he's, he's presenting? He's saying, if I'm no longer condemned by the law and I live freely under grace, is it okay if I keep on sinning? I think verse 14 clarifies it really well for us. If sin has no dominion over us, should we keep sinning? He goes on and uses this illustration of slavery, and I think, I think it really helps us grasp the, the nature of our, our bondage to sin and now our, 
our bondage to Christ. He says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. And so the picture we have here is of sinners being slaves to sin. And sin and temptation would say, go do this thing. And we said yes and amen. And we, we obeyed fully. And now, being saved by Christ, we've been made slaves of righteousness. And when God says, go do this, we ought to say yes and amen and go do it. And I think it helps clarify this question because it's not just sin doesn't have dominion, should we keep on going? I don't have to sin any longer, should I keep on going? It's I had an old master and I was bought by a new one. If the old master tells me what to do, what authority does he have? What right does he have over me to, to tell me to go do something? We've become the slave of a new master. And in, in, in Roman society, when you became someone's slave, you lost your whole identity. Everything you once were, you're no longer. And so this picture here with slavery is that I used to be a slave of sin, and I was everything I did was, was obedient to sin. And now that I've been made a slave to righteousness... The authority and the, the command of sin has, has no authority over me. It has no pull on my heart. And, and so Paul is really setting up here the, the question, should I show contempt for my new master by obeying the old one? It's absolutely not. This is the, 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 the by no means, the strongest way to say no um, in, in, uh, that, that Paul uses. And, and I think there's, there's three truths we can realize about our sin from, from this first half of the passage. The first is that sin cannot be overlooked. And this is right in where Paul says that by no means. Are we to go on sinning? By no means. Absolutely not. Sin is not something we can tolerate, that we can just allow to continue in our lives. We need to take sin seriously. And I think this is why he uses slavery. Slavery implies the force of our obligation to obey our new master. It's not we're a casual friend of our master righteousness. It's not that we're a family, you know, we're related in, in blood. You can kind of like, well, I don't really want to do that. It's no, you are a slave of righteousness. We have a force of an obligation to obey the new command. The second is that temptation from the old master has no authority over us. And that this is done by Christ freeing us from slavery. We've been purchased at the cost of his life, his blood. And so the old master's beckon to us does not mean anything. It has no authority. We've been freed from the master and freed from his commands. The third thing is we have power to overcome temptation. And this is one we often get stuck in. We think that we don't have the power to actually obey God. But I'm going to show you, it doesn't make sense for that to happen. If, if sin has enough sense to only tempt you to do things you're able to do, how much more is God, logically, how much more would he not make you able to do all the things he's commanded you? Right? right? If, if I was tempted to sin and, and tell a lie, I was perfectly able to do that. And now if God has commanded me, don't lie, I'm perfectly able to do that also. And he's done that through the work of Christ. He's made me able in Christ to obey. And we're going to get into that a little bit more, but just a, a first reference here, 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. We, if God has commanded it, he has made us able. Right, that's the first step in, in really saying no to sin is 
knowing that God has made us able not to sin. Let's go on a little bit further. Um, Because a lot of us at this point still feel like there's, we might know that we we don't have to sin and we we might be able to sin, but there still seems to be this haze about obeying, about walking away from sin and repenting. And so I'm going to go into verse 19. I think this is where Paul really opens up uh, the argument and, and hits home for us. He says in verse 19, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. And I think this is a really beautiful picture. He, he's setting up the, the two sides. Just as you once served your old master, now serve your new master. But what was the sense in which we serve the old master? I thought it was funny. I was thinking of the great command as I was studying this passage. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I was like, oh boy, did I love sin with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of my energy, all of my resources, all of my attention was focused on sin. And I did it well. Now Paul's saying, take all of that and serve God. With all the energy, all the, the thinking, all the plotting, all of the... Um, all the planning to sin that we did. Now, turn that and obey righteousness. I want you to notice also in verse 19, Paul lines up this this parallelism of the two masters. He characterizes the old master. He says, the slavery to sin started with choosing evil. And as we chose evil, we became more wicked. It distorted our hearts and twisted and had us desire evil things. And the end of following that master was death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. The wrath of God for what we've done. And on the other side, he has righteousness. Being a slave to righteousness starts with obeying what is right, what is good. And as we do it, we're sanctified. We become more like Christ. And the end of it is eternal life with God. And so these two couldn't be further apart. We have on the one hand sin, wickedness, and death, and then righteousness, sanctification, and life. And, and when we line these two up, it, it seems absurd for us to do anything but obey God. Now, like, what, what hypocrisy, what shame, what evil, what injustice it would be for us to more, like, more thoroughly and more joyfully serve the old master who left us with death than it is for us to serve our good master with life. If I was to be more joyful about sin than doing good works for God, if I were to be more excited about entertaining myself and and pleasing my own comforts and joys in this life than I am about serving God and loving others, if I were to be more willing to use my money and my time and my resources to, um, I don't know, I guess, please myself to, to make myself a comfy life here than I was to expand God's kingdom, what a shame it would be on me. Right. Uh, heaping coals on my head. Like, is not God so much more than sin? Is there anything in sin that could ever compare to God? Is not God more gracious? Is he not better? Is he more, not more satisfying than any sin? What is there in sin that we could ever want it? And I think this, this is what Paul actually, he actually literally says, he says, what benefit did you gain from the things that you are now ashamed of? Even in my own life, I'm thinking through when I 
was living in blatant sin? What, what did my disobedience to my parents do? What did my dissent against authority do? What did my pride do? Nothing. It wasn't satisfying me. It wasn't good. It hurt those around me. It destroyed my relationships, destroyed, caused suffering. But what good was that? And if that wasn't enough to propel us towards God, Paul shows us the other half of this. It's not only that sin has no benefit and is utterly worthless, it's that Christ is good for everything. Read with me in verse 22. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, and its end is eternal life. Christ is beneficial for everything. That's the other side of this. And I want to I dive into this a little bit more, but... The hope as we leave, we try to leave sin and obey God is not that, well, is that sin is empty, right? Because we're looking for the right things in the wrong places, right? The things that we're looking for in sin aren't found there. We're looking for peace. We're looking for joy. We're looking for satisfaction. They're not found in sin. They're found in God. And so the, the hope we have in leaving sin is that I think we trick ourselves and we lie. We say that I won't be happy if I don't sin. That's not true. The Lord is the one who satisfies. And I want to give you a couple examples of this. Um, the first one was a little humorous. Um, my family has a, a bad habit of, of eating our feelings. Um, I'm sure I'm the only one who does that here. But um, our thing is ice cream and chocolate. Uh, when we go through hard times, I think we have more ice cream than the supermarket. Uh, and there's, uh, we, we don't do chocolate bars. We get the whole bag of chocolate, and we just dig in, get a cup of that, and, and relax, you know? And, uh, yeah, we go to <laughs> and, um, and it's like ice cream and chocolate and food and, and pasta. They don't, they're comforting, don't get me wrong, but true comfort is not found in them. True comfort doesn't come in you know, ice cream, doesn't come in chocolate. True comfort comes from the Lord. Amen. And so when I you know, am stressed out or I'm tired or I'm disappointed or I'm um, discouraged about something, I, I don't need to turn to ice cream and chocolate. I can turn to the Lord. Now, I don't know. This, this might tell a different story. But I really, like, when, when we think about this in terms of the, um, the, the two masters here, it, it tells a really interesting story. We have the old master say, hey, Dan, wouldn't you really like to just eat your feelings right now? And I can say, no, I have a God who deals tenderly with me. He will make me happy. He will give me peace. He will comfort me. I don't need some chocolate, even if I want it. You know, and, and that's a silly one, too, because it's, you know, it's eating chocolate isn't necessarily a sin, but it's like, where are we looking? What has become our idol? Where are we looking for satisfaction in things, um, if not in God? And I think when we, when we displace our attention, we look for these things in anything but God, we really commit idolatry. We're looking for something in the world that only belongs to God. We're worshiping the creation and not the creator. I want to tell this story. This is, this is from my testimony, and this might be a little raw for some of you, but I, for about eight years, nine years of my life, um, had a very serious porn addiction. And I would turn to it because I wanted to numb my emotions. I didn't want to feel lonely. I didn't want um, 
to, well, fill it all. I wanted peace. I wanted joy. And I thought that would give it to me. What I can tell you is that it's, it's utterly empty. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed Ecclesiastes because I'm like, oh, this guy gets it. Everything is meaningless. It doesn't have joy. It doesn't have comfort. It doesn't have belonging. It doesn't have peace. It doesn't have love. Those things are found in God alone. And it wasn't until I realized just how empty sin was and I realized how much God wanted to satisfy me that it really clicked. Right? You can look at the promises of Scripture. You get like, here, I'll just give you a few. I was looking for love and sin, and yet I have a God who loves me enough to send his son to die on a cross for my sins. If that's not love, I don't know what is. I was looking for belonging, and yet I was adopted into the family of God and made co-heirs with Christ and have a body of believers who are my family. I was looking for um, peace, and yet I have peace that transcends all understanding in Christ Jesus. I, we can keep on going here. I've, you know, God started a good work in me. He's not going to give up. I might feel like a failure. I might feel like disappointed, but God's not giving up on me. Christ intercedes on my behalf, even now as I'm preaching. I've been forgiven through the blood of Christ. And God will make, he will do a work in me. And so you can cling to these, and, and again with the, the old master and new master uh, paradigm here, the old master can come to me and say, oh, wouldn't you really like to just numb your emotions? No. I have a new master who deals tenderly with my emotions, who cares for me, who wants me to be satisfied in him. Wouldn't you like to act out in lust? No, I have a God who has other ways of making me happy. I don't need porn to make me happy. I don't need lust to be satisfied. In fact, he's commanded me the other way. He says, love one another. Treat each other as brother and sister in Christ. And so the picture we have here is that the old master can tempt us all we want, but if we are solely satisfied in God and not the sins and the things of this world, we can walk in freedom from sin. We can walk in victory. And now, going to verse 23, I think this is, this is really an important verse here because for the wages of sin is death. We know just how serious our sin is. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to remember as we walk and we try to repent of sin and walk in victory, it is not our works. It's grace. I don't create my own righteousness. I don't create, um, I don't, you know, save myself. You know, when I'm walking in victory, it's because God, I'm depending, I'm leaning more on him. I'm not walking at all, you know. Um, and so the, the picture we get is really that we are wholly dependent on God and his work and his promises. And so as we want to walk away from sin and walk in holiness, it's about depending on the Lord and being satisfied in Him more and more daily. And so if you leave with nothing else, remember this. I'm satisfied in God and not by sin. I'm satisfied in God and not by sin. And that will be your first step in victory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity I got to bring your word. I pray that you would, by your spirit, move and convict people of sin, that we would... Uh, turn to you to be satisfied in you, to love you more. 
Uh, disquiet our hearts, Lord, and, and have us not be content with leaving things as they are. Turn us to Christ that we would love him more. God, help us see the worthlessness of sin and the great value of Christ, that he loves us so much and he has given us every blessing in the spiritual realms now. God, we have victory in you and we can be satisfied in you. Help us not to settle for idols. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.